Well, this morning, <clears throat> we're going to start up in chapter 16. Not going to do a whole lot of back backstory and back review here on what we've already gone over, but we did finish up chapter 15 last week, <clears throat> and we wanted to get into chapter 16 this week, and we'll see how far we can get through. As we start off, let's let's look at chapter 16 in the first two verses. Um, <clears throat> do want to just make a comment here because we don't know exactly how much time has passed from the end of chapter 15 to the beginning of chapter 16. As we'll see in verse 3, we'll know that this was at least, or this was 10 years after uh, Abram and Sarah had come to uh, the land of Canaan. So we know that at least 10 years have passed since they left. Um, oh, I, I don't know why I can't think of it, but well, it, not Ur, but, but the, the other land, you know, because they traveled north uh, up the river to the, uh, the other land that they stayed for for a few years and until his, his, till Abram's father passed. Um, but it's been 10 years. Uh, so Abram's 85 years old as, as we go into chapter uh, 16 because he was... 75 when he left uh, the other land that I can't think of right now. Haran, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and so it's been 10 years, but we don't know the time stamp in between uh, chapter 15 and chapter 16. But having said that, let's look at the first two verses here in chapter 16. It says, Now Sarah... Abram's wife had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram indeed, and Abram heeded uh, the voice of Sarah. <coughs> So, first thing is that, that as we look at this passage, well, for one, just to kind of remind you, over uh, in chapter 15, God did promise Abram, said that you will have a son, that um, uh, Eleazar, or I keep saying Eleazar, but I don't think that's how you pronounce that name. Well, in verse 2 of chapter 15, you'll see the, the uh, servant of Abram's house, where he's he'd making mention to God, you know, that this would be the the heir of my house if I go childless. And uh, and but the Lord tells him over in chapter fifteen that no, you will have a son uh, of your own own flesh and blood. Uh, in a sense, it will come from your body. Uh, so he knows that he'll have a son. And here we have uh, Sarah looking at this, who obviously it's something that they talked about. It was something that they, they discussed, and they knew that he was going to have a son. So Sarah, uh, you know, make, or thinking about this, and goes to Abram and says, Look, you know, the Lord's kept me from having children. <clears throat> so ultimately, let's try to help him out. Let's try to. 
you know, maybe this is what God wants us to do. He, he wants you to, to take my, my servant here, uh, Hagar, and, and have a child through her. And if, if what I was reading uh, made sense in my head, this was uh, a practice back in this time period. It was uh, something that, that would happen uh, during this time period where if a, if a wife wasn't able to give her husband any children, then she would give him uh, one of her, her servants, and, um, and he'd obtain the children through, through that one, but it would ultimately be the wife's. Uh, I don't understand how that works, but anyhow, that's from what I was reading, that's the idea here, and that's what was being expressed in verse 2 when Sarah says that I may obtain children by her. Um, but another side note that I had made of here, it talks about how that her, uh, her maidservant was an Egyptian. So makes you wonder, well, where did she get this maidservant from? Uh, it very well could it be that when she was part of the harem of uh, Pharaoh, when they went down into the land of Egypt, and her, uh, the Pharaoh had taken uh, her into, into his harem, that he had given her this maidservant. could be that it was one of the servants that Pharaoh had given Abram because he had taken Sarah uh, to be his wife, ultimately. So, Regardless of how it worked out, most likely uh, this this servant had come from when they were down in Egypt, uh, which also led me to think about how that, because we know the end of the story, you know, most of us know how chapter 16 is going to wind up here, a gift that was given to Abram or Sarah, whoever it was that it was given to originally, uh, can become a hindrance. It can become something that we uh, that can cause us to to do wrong. And also the the thought of just because um, the world around them at this time had accepted the idea of being able to have a children through someone else did not mean that that was going to fit God's idea of how this was going to work out. That's why I was making the mention earlier as far as how that Sarah's, you know, ultimately putting out, you know, this is, you know, maybe this is what God, God wants us to do. You know, let's try to help him out a little bit. But obviously one thing that's plainly missing here is the aspect of them going to God and asking God, is this your will? You know, we see time and time in previous chapters of it, how that God has spoken to Abram through visions and and other things, so he could have gone to God and asked, you know, hey, you know, is this what you want us to do? Uh, and gotten you know, more of a of a standpoint of, of what he should do here in this situation. Um, but rather we read in the end of chapter, verse 2 that Abram heeded the voice of Sarah and what she was suggesting here. Jeremy. Absolutely, absolutely. They were, you know, when we, uh, to begin with, <clears throat> on the uh, comment that you said Julia had whispered on how that we need to stop thinking that God needs our help, that's absolutely right. And that's why I was 
making mention of that because um, any time that we think that God needs our help, you know, we're always going to falter in some standpoint because God does not need our help in anything. But then when we take a promise that God has given and, and try to um, put that as a pressure upon us, it can further expound upon it, upon that, that as well. But yes, very good point. And their, in their mindset, they could have been having a lot of pressure put on them, what have you. So like I said, uh, Abram would have been 85. So, and I can't remember the age difference. It seems like I remember somewhere along the line of, of, of reading how old Sarah was in 10 year difference. Okay. So she would have been 75 here. Um, but yeah, very good point though. Anything else? Mike? All right. Very good. Uh, the, the, thought of how that even at this point God has still intended it to be one one woman and one man um, even though it was common in that time period and as you'll see throughout the Old Testament that's very common um, mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely I always have to keep in mind that God's time frame is not our time frame so very good absolutely so being careful that the the outside world doesn't influence us to the point to where we're we're uh, not doing what we need or to make bad decisions. Uh, is what Janice was saying. It's how that just because we might not think that it's it's something that's going to happen, or just because we think that we're we're a strong Christian, we might be, but sometimes outside influences can continually uh, push upon us because of what the world is doing around us, and we need to make sure we don't do that. Yes, um, we should always trust in God and put our trust in him and not uh, rely on our own understandings, rather, but to continue to put our trust in him. Yes, absolutely. So even when we're trying or when we don't even pay attention to it or don't even realize it, we might be um, trying to fix something um, that we shouldn't be trying to meddle in. But very good comments. Anything else? Absolutely. God's logic is is perfect, and human logic is always flawed. So good thoughts. All right, well, let's look at the next couple of verses here. Um, so ultimately, Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. And in verse 3, it continues on in that thought, saying, Then Sarah... Uh, Abram's wife took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and made her her... Let me back up. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived her mistress became despised in her eyes. So as we think about this and we think about how that uh, Abram took on Hagar as a wife and then had had ultimately conceived a child uh, or she had conceived a a child by Abram, we read on how that she had became or how that Hagar had despised uh, or basically Sarah 
was being despised in her eyes. So there's a, there's a lot more going on here than what we might read upon within the casual reading of this text. When we stop and really think about it, when we think about what's about to happen, what has already happened, uh, I think that there's a couple of things that might be going on here. For one, we have Hagar, uh, who is now with child from Abram. And uh, it could be that in her mindset, she's sitting there thinking, well, you know, he's going to have a child, you know, by me. And now, you know, the son that I'm going to have for him is going to inherit all these things that he has. And so he's, you know, in her mind, she's thinking, oh, man, this is great. You know, Sarah couldn't do it. But, boy, I'm sure able to do it for him. And so now my child is going to be able to, to um, inherit all these things. Even if Sarah claims it to be her child, ultimately, you know, in, in Hagar's mind, it's still uh, her child. And, uh, but I believe that there's also a little bit of jealousy here that Sarah might have as well because here uh, for several years, um, they know of this promised son that's going to be coming. And Sarah, even though she might have suggested it to begin with, might have a little bit of jealousy going on here. And so, yes, there's, you know, uh, Hagar was, was throwing uh, whatever back at Sarah, you know, whether it be just a lack of respect uh, that she had towards her, uh, I don't know exactly what would have been going on in between here, but apparently it was pretty intense um, that was going back and forth. And so so we have Hagar uh, despising Sarah. Uh, just a, a, another thought that I, I had that I, made, I meant to make mention of earlier on, in verse 2, how that it said that Abram heeded the voice of Sarah, that just because Sarah has suggested it doesn't give... It doesn't give Abram you know, a, a rite of passage. Say, all right, well, this isn't my fault. You know, just as uh, Eve came to Adam and and or had given Adam the fruit to take uh, a bite of, it didn't mean that you know Adam had a, a an out there as well. But it was yet it's still you know Abram's fault that this was happening, and it was also uh, Adam's fault that it had happened to him as far as the fruit. Just wanted to back up and mention that because I thought about it as I was making comments there on three and four. But, Mike? <laughs> exactly. And that's a very good point, Mike, um, because we won't find out what it is until God comes to Hagar later on uh, and talks to, talks to Hagar and tells her that it's going to be a boy. But very good point. We At this point, we don't, you know, Hagar didn't know if it was a girl or a boy. Um, and like he said, that you know, if it was a girl, it wouldn't have really changed a whole lot of anything. But All right, well, let's look at the next couple of verses in verses 5 and 6. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, trusting God and believing God takes great faith, and, and um, it's all a lesson of, of how that we should trust God and believe that he will do what, what he does for us. All right. Well, let's look at the next couple of verses here. In verses 5 and 6, we have, Then Sarah said to Abram, 
Now, keep in mind, this is after Hagar is being you know, is despising Sarah. And like I said, there could be some jealousy that Sarah has going on here as well. But it says, Then Sarah came to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. All right. Well, like I said, we have Sarah, and I can, I can almost envision this going on. You know, I can just envision her busting into the room all upset. You know, my wrong be upon you. You know, you did this. You, you, you set this up. You had this, this happen. You, know, you allowed this to happen. And uh, like I said, not, not trying to take any fault away from Abram, but here we have Sarah coming in <clears throat> and basically getting on to Abram about what all is going on. Um, now, just some uh, side note information that I'd read about was uh, the law at this time had made mention that any uh, slave that had, was taken as a wife uh, would not be able to be sold uh, nor dismissed and put away uh, from the family, I guess you can say. So it seems that, that Hagar had become a wife. There was no way that they could you know, rightfully put her away or, um, or sell her or what have you. But yet you know, she was part of it. And so um, Abram basically turned to Sarah and says, well, look, you're maids in your hands. You know, you do with her whatever you, you feel need to be. And it says that she dealt harshly with her. Once again, I think we have to look in between the text here and, and understand that, man, there is something major going on here. You know, there is a, a major conflict in between these two, Sarah and Hagar here, and how that they just, I, I can't even imagine the, 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 the scenes here and what all was going on in here in this scene, but it was to the point to where Hagar just couldn't put up with it anymore, regardless of whether or not her son was going to inherit it. Once again, not knowing for sure if this was a son or not, but if it was a son, he, you know, in her mind, being able to inherit all these things that Abram had, uh, because he had no other children, so this was going to be an inheritance unto her son, and, uh, but she just couldn't put up with it anymore and had fled from her presence. So all this, this, this thought that she might have had and, and the reason why she might have been despising Sarah <clears throat> you know, came to a head uh, when Sarah started dealing harshly with her and she had fled. So it seems like there's more. Oh, Jim? And I can, you know, to go along with that, I mean, it, it could be that the tensions was growing so high in that house in between those two women, and that, and I'm sure this wasn't the first time that he heard about the the tensions that was going on in, in between this house. Um, but yeah, Abram did pass the buck in a sense and pushing it off on Sarah. Says, "Well, 
you do with whatever you want to do with her, you know, and regardless of the fact that Hagar was carrying his child. Um, is there another comment? Yes, Mike. Because, and I, I think that's interesting, though, because you know, for many times, and he, even me knowing this, I, I'm still guilty of it. Whenever I think about the sons of Abraham, I think about Ishmael and 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 uh, Isaac, and that's it. But he he had, I remember right, I counted out that we have listed. I think it was seven other sons that we have uh, that I have that you read about later on. <laughs> absolutely. I was actually going to make mention of that towards the end, but absolutely. I mean, you <clears throat> you look at the unrest that's that's happening over there in, in the Middle East, and ultimately in between uh, the two descendants that we read about, you know, here within the next few chapters when we have Isaac being introduced, um, we read of all that going on. But very good comment. Anything else? Verse, hmm, verses 7 and 8. It says, now this is after Hagar, <coughs> Hagar had fled and, uh, and, and from, from the presence of Sarah. So we, in verse 7, we have, Now the angel of the Lord found her, that being Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where, <clears throat> where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeting <clears throat> from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. So here we have, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got to get some more. So here we have the <clears throat> angel of the Lord coming to, Sager, to, to Hagar <clears throat> and asking her one of those questions uh, that we see happening many times because this was an angel of the Lord. So he knew who she was. I mean, he called her out by name. He knew where she had come from. He knew where uh, she was heading. But yet he asked that question, where are you coming from and where are you going? Uh, giving her that opportunity to answer her or to answer uh, the angel. Uh, the direction that she was heading in was most likely back towards Egypt. Um, she was an Egyptian, and, and uh, I didn't look it up on a map, but uh, there was a one of the commentaries I was reading had made mention that apparently the land that, that she was in at uh, this time where he had come to her uh, by this well um, was, I think, northeast of Egypt. So it would have been south of where they were at. So most likely she was heading back down into the Egypt <clears throat> to dwell there. Um, but... One of the things that I wanted to point out here was that when the, when the angel of the Lord had come to her and had called her by name, not only did he make mention of Hagar, but he makes mention of who she was, meaning that she, she was Sarah's maid. Um, you know, that was, that was you know, what she was. Her name was Hagar, but she was Sarah's maid, uh, showing her that, 
and, and this was showing Hagar uh, that, that, for one, he knew who she was. You're, you're Hagar. You're Sarah's maid. This is you know, who you are. I know who you are. And then uh, the fact that he points out that she, he was Herod, Sarah's maid um, is, is reminding her of what she was. And so her, in her response, she even makes mention that she was fleeting from Sarah, uh, fleeting from her presence. <laughs> I had uh, done some reading on that, and I didn't get too in-depth with that, but uh, from what I was reading, they were making it sound like it was uh, ultimately the reincarnate Christ. Well, let's look at verses 9 through 11. We'll try to get through uh, these before we, we leave. But if not, we'll just revisit them next week. It says, uh, The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord uh, said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Now, just a quick side note here, where it says uh, in verse 10, uh, the angel of the Lord said to her, verse 11 says, the angel of the Lord said to her, um, something that I was reading had made mention that it could very well have said, also uh, the angel of the Lord said to her, also the angel of the Lord said to her, uh, rather than stating it the way it it does here. Uh, Anyhow, getting back to to verse 9, though, here we have the angel of the Lord telling her uh, to return, to go back to Sarah. Um, and to submit herself to her. Uh, and, and this would have been a big task for Hagar because you're, uh, of the treatment that Sarah was given to Hagar, whatever it would have been, we don't know for sure what exactly was going on and what she was making her do. Uh, I don't know, maybe she was making her scrub the floor extra hard or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but whatever the case was, you know, it was pretty intense to where she wanted to leave, so the fact of her having to go back and to submit herself to her was pretty pretty big. Um, but at the same time, if she was to have gone back and submitted herself to her in the mindset that, yes, I am still your servant, and give her that respect, then it would have been a lot easier for her to do. So, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship Hagar and, and Sarah had up until this point, but it wasn't to the point to where, you know, <clears throat> it was apparently good enough to where Sarah was willing to give her as, as, a, as a, another wife to her husband so that she could have a child through her. So I don't think it was to the point to where they were butting heads all the time to begin with. So if she just basically went back and, and submitted herself unto Sarah, as what the angel of the Lord here is saying to her, uh, then, then 
It'd have been a lot better. Yes, Beverly. Absolutely. The angel of the Lord telling her to go back and submit herself to her so that she can take off that, that high mightiness of how that she was able to conceive this child for a for a. But our time is way up, so I'm going to have to stop there, and we'll pick up there next week. Thank you for all your comments and attention.